This episode is brought to you by KG Productions for Krishna Nose. Krishna chapter 14 this is we had stopped at verse 26 last yesterday so we will continue from verse 27 onwards uh, today there will be a lot of very very interesting questions which are going to be asked by Uddhava to Krishna after the first verse then the second verse onwards we will be doing those questions and the answers are very very beautiful because they are completely different than what you may actually think the answers could be. And this is Krishna's way of saying what he actually means. Now you have to understand that our normal worldly ways of looking at certain issues are different. We go by the standards which are set by the whole, whole world. But here Krishna's way of teaching is different. So let us see today how these answers are given. We are doing Uddhav Gita chapter 14 verse 27. The religion is called the best which makes for devotion to me. Knowledge is the realization of the unity of the self. Dispassion is non-attachment to self-objects. And extraordinary powers comprise extreme minuteness and so forth. Now this is a standard explanation which has been given throughout. First one is, the religion is called the best which makes devotion to me. It's a well understood fact that when we are devoted to God, that is the best religion that is practiced. We don't have too much to discuss on this because religion by itself has become a biased issue nowadays. There is so much of differentiation created because of these biases. People do not want to even come together for a good cause. There was a time when people would celebrate each and every other person's festivals. And especially in India, India was a very close-knit community and we could celebrate each other. But unfortunately today, the situation is quite grim. You have to express certain things. So Krishna has this idea of telling you that if you have a religion, then devotion to me is the path. Religion of any other kind which is preaching you hatred, animosity or differentiations between the different denominations is not good. So just the idea that religion should be focused on devotion to God. That's it. Knowledge is the realization of the unity of the self. Knowledge is normally expressed in this world as something that you know. The visible knowledge, the one which we can learn from our teachers, but that is not the knowledge that Krishna is talking about. The knowledge of the self is a hidden knowledge. 
It's a knowledge which can only be got by learning under a great spiritual master. It cannot be got just like that. You have to go inwards, deeper inside to understand the truth. The knowledge of the self is not the superficial self that we are talking about. There are two birds on a tree. The one which is the lower bird on the tree talks about all the material worldly benefits and the knowledge of the petty self. I have to become good. I have to become great in this world. I have to get a good job. This is, this is the kind of knowledge which they have. I have to educate myself. Educate myself. I, I have to get degrees. I have to get prizes. I have to earn a living. This is a petty knowledge. This is a knowledge which is a mundane level knowledge. Even if you try to explore the stars, the planetary systems, the different different kinds of different different kinds of explorations that are done in this universe, all that has to be considered as a mundane knowledge. It's, it's a knowledge which is there. I can see it. But the self is not visible. And the self has to be found within you. How do you find that? It is not intergalactic space. <laughs> there is no such thing there. But when I can link up this entire universe and myself as one, how do I link it up? Not superficially, but truly knowing that I am a part of the whole. How does a person go to that? That is called the knowledge of the self. To know that thing is the knowledge of the self. To go inwards and find the God within. Then he talks about dispassion is non-attachment to sense objects. We have been doing dispassion quite, for quite a long time. All the sense objects that entice us in this world. Different, different kinds of sense objects are there. Whether it's a thing, whether it's a human, an animal, a bird or whatever. Things, all these entice us. They drag us towards themselves. We get lost in the material world. Because we are so much into that object. We are not able to overcome those things. If you can see today, right here and now, there is so much of an issue connected to this pandemic itself. Everybody is affected. We have to follow certain rules and regulations which are called yamas and niyamas. We have to follow the rules. But today, man is not interested. Thousands and thousands of people have gathered together on the streets. And without any protection, we come in connect with so many different people. 
the government has set a rule that please don't go out and if you go out wear masks which are going to cover you completely there is no you know nobody's infection comes to you but man is reluctant he feels that it's an imposition well there are impositions in this world and you better get used to it the pandemic has increased so much that in india cases have shot through the roof we are the third nation in the world today number 3 how soon can we reach the number 1 if we don't take care so this is the meaning when we say we should have non attachment if there is something to be done we got to do it don't question it don't go about trying to find out more the attachment to your body i can do it that is a problem similarly your children your you know the surrounding we have to be good with our surrounding we have to be nice to our environment also there are lots of things that is not called attachment if we say oh i live like this only no today we can't live just like this we got to live the way we have been advised to do because these are very very difficult times so get used to this life because we have to become extremely disciplined we are just going to do those things then the last one is extraordinary powers there are extraordinary powers yes what are those extraordinary powers well those powers are something which i don't think anybody possesses today in life we are not even qualified to possess them the reason is because the purity of human being is gone he has become so impure that it is impossible to get those powers to become huge to become tiny to become like a small you know maybe a virus <laughs> you know microscopic or huge all those powers which we have been discussed in the past which we have done in the same book are no longer existent only the minor powers are there the major ones are gone the minor ones of how to manipulate this world yes people still manipulate this world those powers are still there so we have come to the end of verse 27 now we will move to verse 28 now the next four verses i am going to run through just like that because these are questions and the answers are ahead so whenever the answer comes up i will read that little bit of the question for you so this is uddhav gita chapter 14 the last message of shri krishna verse 28 29 30 31 32 i am going to do this five verses together they are just questions so let us hear them verse 28 onwards now uddhava said of how many kinds is yama o chastiser of foes 
and niyama also what is calmness what is self control o krishna what is fortitude and what is patience o lord 29 what is charity what is penance what is valor what is honesty and what is truthfulness what is renunciation what is wealth worth coveting what is sacrifice what is religious remuneration verse 30 what is strength of a man o sire what is fortune what is profit o keshava what is learning what is shyness what is the highest beauty what is happiness and what is misery verse 31 who is a scholar and who is a fool what is the way and what is its reverse what is heaven and what is hell who is a friend and what is the house verse 32 who is rich and who is poor who is mean and who is lordly o lord of the virtuous answer these questions of mind together with their opposites so these are the questions i have just read that as one simple question so let us take this one by one yes i will give you a detailed explanation for each and every word that was mentioned so let us take the yamas and the niyamas first all right so let us see how the whole thing goes about we are doing uddhav gita chapter 14 verse 33 onwards krishna is giving an explanation for first the yamas now as per the scriptures of patanjali the yamas are different and the yamas over here as mentioned by the divine lord please understand these are two separate here god himself is talking there the sage had designed it for a particular set of people all right so let us see what the yamas are according to krishna verse 33 chapter 14 the lord said non injury truthfulness non stealing non attachment shame non accumulation of wealth faith in god chastity silence patience forgiveness and fearlessness so these are so many yamas now let us move to the next verse like i said i will read them out but explanation will be given to you don't worry verse 34 says for the niyamas purity of mind and of body repetition of the lord's name austerity offering of oblations in the sacred fire faith in one's self hospitality worship of me visiting of holy places working for the good of others contentment and service unto the guru the teacher so these are the niyamas so let us see how this 
Ingvaks. Okay, so we will now take it up. The Lord said non-injury. When we talk of non-injury as the Yama, what exactly does Krishna mean over here? We are not supposed to hurt any person. Whichever way, by words, deeds, action, deeds, we are not supposed to hurt any person. We should have an attitude of non-injury. The Jains follow a very simple rule. Whenever they step ahead or whenever they have to do something. They have a very tiny brush by means of which they clean the place up. It's a non-injury. They don't want to hurt any creatures. Now, as far as non-injury is concerned, I can assure you, unknowingly, we are injuring a lot of people. This has to be avoided also. Knowingly, we should avoid completely. That means if you know that by saying certain words, certain actions, you are going to hurt another person or cause harm to him, we have to restrain ourselves by not saying those words, performing those actions or deeds. This is the first rule. Never hurt any person. Even by actions or deeds or even words. Now, did you see I have not said thoughts? Because to control the thoughts, it is very difficult, isn't it? First, you have to follow the set of niyamas and the yamas and the niyamas. Then you can actually manipulate the thoughts. The thoughts is still a very, very big, long, long way. So first, consciously make efforts not to say or do things which are going to hurt any person. This will ensure that you follow the first simple rule. Truthfulness. We have to be as truthful as possible. There was a person who asked me this question. How can we be truthful in the world today? If I have to do something, I have to pay a bribe. If I have to get something done, whether it is a paper to get sanctioned or whatever, I need to pay a lot of money. I have to bribe the officials, whoever they might be. So my answer was simply this. Right from beginning, this is what you have done. Knowingly or unknowingly, you don't even know this has happened to you. As a kid, as a kid, 
what you learnt in school and in college is exactly that. Instead of studying for your, for getting knowledge, you have studied for a dubious means of getting ranks. You have been told that if you get a good rank, you will get admission into higher education. You have seen your own parents go and bribe the principals and all these people when you are a kid so that you get admission in school and in college. This is where the problem started. The child thought that it is but a natural thing to pay bribes to do the wrong thing. But it was never told to him that that is wrong. Why does a person need to pay bribes? It is because there is a defect in you or the defect in the system. It is the defect in you. Maybe you are not qualified. Maybe you are a dunce. There is no way of knowing. But it is very easy to blame the system. Say the system is built like that. What can I do? Always remember, truthfulness starts at childhood. The parents have to take care that they do not do anything wrong in front of the children. If you yourself, now you are an adult, those who are listening are adults of course. So if you yourself have decided that this is a right thing for me to do, I got to pay some little bribe and get my work done. Then it has become an accepted fact for you. Then you thought that that is the living, that is the way I have to live. But that is not the truth. Truthfulness starts from childhood. And please remember this, it is not a right thing if you pay bribes or if you try to get something which is not yours. There is so much of disparity in this world. You will blame the system and say, oh, we will not get admissions because there is a reservation. There is no need. Please understand one thing. Those who follow the path of Yama and the Niyama religiously remember the word religion means being devoted to Krishna. Those who follow religiously their belief is in Krishna in the divine and when there is a belief in the divine the whole universe will work towards you. It will get your job done. You don't have to stress out. You will never have to bother your head about it. The universe itself pulls you in that direction and says, Here, take it. 
people feel that they haven't gone to a good school or a college. Otherwise, they would have got a better education. Education has nothing to do with a school or a college. It is everything to do with the person who is getting educated. You may get the best guru in the world, but you may be the worst disciple of all. Then what gives you the right to blame the system? Do you get the point? You see, there is a great master. To go to the highest potential of that master, you need to be a good disciple yourself. Got it? It is not that the teacher can, you know, make you the best. It is you who has to become the best. There was a person called Mr. Acharekar. I don't know whether you know about Mr. Acharekar. Now, Mr. Acharekar was a trainer of cricket. Alright? So, he trained young children how to play cricket. Nobody had heard of him. It is still the point, a young boy came along and he was known as the greatest batsman in the world. His name is Sachin Tendulkar. But till that point, nobody had explored or exploited the potential of Achrekar, sir. Isn't it? So do you get the point? Nobody had heard of him. But how, why is it that one person was so much attuned to becoming the greatest one? The teacher doesn't become great. Please understand. In the, in the material world, the disciple becomes great. It is exactly like Vivekananda. Everybody knows Vivekananda. You ask any child in India, they will say Vivekananda, Swami Vivekananda. But who is the teacher of Vivekananda? It is one teacher who made him into such a great person. So the truthfulness has to stem from within you. You have to question the system. Why should I do this? Why is it important to do? And don't bother about trying to get into some fancy schools or fancy colleges. The reason is very simple. It is dependent on your brains and the kind of energy that you put in. Not on the college or the school. Think about it like this. These college and schools which appear to be great or big, you know what they do? They have a selection process. They take creme de la creme. That is the highest, you know, the number one people in the world. They will select 100 top people and then they will train. What is the point in training top 100? Ask yourself this question. Isn't it important that you... Teach somebody from the lower rungs and that person becomes great. Did you get the point? There was recently a film which did very well. It was called Super 30. 
the children from the poor uh, you know parts of the society those who really had it in them to do all these ias and i whatever the great examinations that are there they came together they didn't even have food to eat they got together and this teacher was there he taught all these children so it is not the teacher it is the person who listens to the teacher and becomes great the mount everest is going to be mount everest you got the point the mount everest is going to be a mount everest but who makes the efforts to climb that person becomes great so it's the same thing consider your teacher as the greatest but you got to climb that mountain first got it then only you can become great so when i am talking about truthfulness start from the beginning itself do not give yourself that mediocrity you know we become mediocre people absolutely just because somebody is going to that school or college and just because our parents want to give bribes you are also going to become a mediocre person exactly like them no set your bars high set your bars so high that nobody can beat you so in your life you be very sure of where you want to be truthfulness is the main thrust behind it you be truthful join a school and college so that you get knowledge not the knowledge of trying to attempt examinations that anybody can do you go and buy hard something and write the examination go and spill it out over there and get some good ranks no that is not the way of knowledge you be truthful to yourself learn the things and in the material world just assure yourself that after this you are going to be truthful in every which way got it even the words that you speak have to be truthful many a times you may just have to ignore certain things so you should have the knowledge of ignorance also you know show that ignorance there is no need to show that you know everything that is called ahankara the ego comes in if you want to become you know oh i know this you may know but there is no need for you to show off got it truthfulness doesn't mean putting your ego in front truthfulness means being nice to a person also the next one is non stealing see when we steal something that actually doesn't belong to us whatever object thing person anything that we steal does it belong to you is it yours legitimately no then why do you take it from others it can be a thing also let us say you go to a place okay you go to a store 
you know, there are lots of things that used to happen in the stores in the past. I can't say about today's during pandemic issue. Yeah, there are lots of things happening even today, but that I will tackle sometime later. People would go to the store and rob simple stupid stuff like one simple t-shirt or undergarment or something like that. Have you paid for it? No. Then it is not yours. Now it might have been written for another person. So you have robbed the store as well as the other person who was supposed to buy it. So you have done grievous harm to two as of now. But the store has got so many employees. It's got the owners, the employees. It might be a big conglomerate. It might be a big, big, big store. The shareholders, the people are affected. You may say, I've just taken a little thing. But that little thing is a big sin. You may not realize it. You will realize it if you see something very, very strange. Let me give you an answer. Let us say, you know, when a person, when a designer designs the garments, or yesterday when we were, when we were trying to get some clothes for Krishna for the Janmashtami celebration, just imagine Krishna's garments are tied up by a simple pin, a pin. If I remove the pin or if I lose the pin or if somebody robs that pin, the whole garment comes off. Think likewise, a small flaw in the system, a little, little, a tiny flaw in the system can destroy an entire rocket. Isn't it? A tiny flaw, a very small one, something that was done, blew up that entire city in Lebanon. Isn't it? Somebody stored a very dangerous element over there. You are not supposed to. But no. So even a tiny object, when we take without permission, is called stealing. So never take anything without permissions. And we have the habit of thinking that we are not stealing. Because, oh, it was just lying over there, so I could take it. No. It is called stealing if you take an object which is not yours. And it doesn't mean that if you are pointed out, okay, you have stolen this object, and then you return it back and say, yeah, I returned it back, isn't it? And then I paid money for it. No. It is the injury that you did in the beginning. Now think about it. You may say, I mean, one of the persons that I knew, this lady, okay, she had a habit of shoplifting. Coming from a very big family, by the way. They are called kleptomaniacs. Why? Because they are very rich, so they are called kleptomaniacs. But a normal human being is called a shoplifter. 
There are two definitions to this. So she had this habit of shoplifting or kleptomania. Now I have to call that because a very rich woman, no. So she picked up some small, small things. Not knowing that there is a detection system and she got caught. And then she said, oh, I did not take it. It must have been in that bag or in that trolley. So the security people dragged her aside. Then she said, see, I am giving everything back and I will pay for everything. Let me go. Now think about it. You may say, I have paid for the objects. I have returned the objects. Has it changed anything? The answer is this. If I shoot an arrow and then I say, I'm going to get it back. Can you return the arrow back? If you have shot with your gun, can you get your bullet back? No. So the stealing which you did is a stealing. Because of you, the system which is a very, very complex system has been put in place. Think about it. It has cost the company thousands of dollars to erect the security barriers. The company has paid through their nose for the security personnel. There, are, there is a whole load of security guards who are involved. The supplier of those goods is involved. Do you know how many people you have wrapped up in your one stealing act? So many of them and you haven't realized it. You think by just returning the goods it is okay? It is not okay. You can't take the stuff and put it back. No, that is not a done thing. You have to nip it in the bud. Don't steal. Never take something which is not owned by you. Otherwise, there is a whole load of karma associated with it. It might be the simplest and the stupidest thing like a pin. Never do it. Non-attachment. You should never be attached to anything in this world. Not a person, not a thing. Attachment creates karmas. There is a beautiful story where attachment created so many karmas. The story which started in the beginning in this book, in chapter 2 itself, where attachments caused problems to the male and the female pigeon. They were attached to their child. And the child got caught hmm, by that fowler. Then the mother tried to save the child. The mother got caught. The father tried to save that mother and the child and the father got caught. And everybody fell into the ditch. The simplest explanation for this is when you have attachments to things and people, you are going to get attracted to their karma as well. 
you may say I am doing it in good faith. If the thought itself comes, the thought comes, I have to do this thing and then you do it and then you feel that you have done, accomplished something. Then that is 100% a karma. Only natural actions do not constitute karma. Understand this? Natural actions do not constitute karma. If a thought processing happens, that means it is karma. Let us say there is a beggar and I am told I have to give every beggar. So I remove some money and I say here, there is the money. My mother told me that I should give every beggar on the street some money. Now you may say, I have done what my mother has told me to do. Now the thought processing happened. You have to wait for the beggar to come near your car. You open your purse. You try to find out whether you have a 10 rupee note. Maybe you don't have. Maybe you have a 50 rupee note. And then you say, oh, I have a 50. Can I get 10 rupees? And you take 10 rupees and you give it to the person and say, okay, I have to return back 40 to you. The person who is sitting next to you, you have said these words. You know how many karmas actually transpired over there? The main person who has got all the karmas of even that simplest bhikari, that beggar, is your mother. She is going to get trapped with that beggar for the next lifetime. Lifetimes. I have explained this to you. When you perform any action, as a crony, as an assistant to somebody. The main culprit is that person. You are just a nobody. You are just performing an action for that person. You are the person who will get a small karma. The person who has instigated the action gets a bigger karma. Isn't it true when the dawn says to the associate, go kill this person and that person performs the job. So who is a bigger culprit? The dawn is the bigger culprit. Isn't it? It is very clearly understood like this. Actions which constitute a karma can be a huge karma without your knowledge. Too many people may get involved. You may be giving to a mafia person. There are the beggar mafias. You may be constituting a lot of evil over there. That money may be going into a drug circle. Do you really know that? You don't know that. I am not saying you are not supposed to give. I am just telling you that every action which you do by keeping your thoughts in position constitute action which is karma. Naturally, if you do the action without any thought whatsoever 
constitutes a non-karma. It is nishkam karma. So, attachments of any kind can be very detrimental to any human being. You are not supposed to be attached to anybody. When you have attachments, you fall into a ditch. Let us say, there is somebody who is very sick. You come to know about that person. You will want to take that person to the hospital. You are so desperate to take that person to the hospital. And when you take that person to the hospital, you are bothered about a lot of hundreds of things. You went out of the way to do that. I gave you a simple example. Now let us say your neighbor has coronavirus. Will you take that person to the hospital? You know it is coronavirus. Do you really think you are going to take that person to the hospital? No. On the contrary, you will barricade your house. You will call the local corporator, whoever it might be. You will call the hospitals. You will call the police. And you will say, my neighbor has got coronavirus. Please take him away. That's what you will do. So now tell me between the two, did you make judgments? Yes, you made judgments. You wanted to take your relative to the hospital thinking that it is an okay thing to do. But your neighbor who may be suffering badly, you have not even bothered. So this will teach you what is the meaning of this word. It is because of attachments you are going to get lost. And these attachments needs to be given up. The next word is called shame. Now what is shame all about? Whatever words that I am explaining over here is the natural explanation that is given. Alright? We are going to do complicated explanations after this also. Don't worry. Because human beings, you know, we think that this is a small word which has nothing in it. We think that wearing clothes, we can overcome shame. Shame has nothing to do with clothes. If that was the case, then all these great sages and saints who roam naked on the streets should be the most shameless people in the world, isn't it? Jesus Christ who was just wearing one garment. He should be called person who has so much shame. You know, he should be there. Swami Nityananda of Ganeshpuri was just wearing one coffin. My Gurudev, who is an Avduta, just wears one, wears one coffin. Coffin means a very tiny piece of garment covering the, uh, you know, parts of a body. Sukhdev Goswami. Sukhdev does all those kind of things. Are they shameless people? I mean, will you call my guru shameless? 
I'm sorry, you will not. So it is not about clothes. It is about the decorum that we maintain in our life. You know, the kind of things that we do in our world that are called shameful. We do things which are hurtful to others. You should be ashamed then. If you do something wrong, we have done that truth. Isn't it? If you tell lies that way, if you take bribes, if you give bribes, if you follow a system which is corrupt to the core, you got to be ashamed of yourself. See, do you get this? There is a difference in the word there. It is just not a word. So Krishna's definition of shame is different than your definition of the word shame. Like I said, we will be doing complex understanding of these words also. We'll do the next one. Non-accumulation of wealth. You know, we have this habit of gathering, gathering, gathering and gathering for tomorrow. The true spiritualist, absolutely true spiritualist doesn't gather anything even for tomorrow. He has to live life like a bird or an animal. You know, a wild animal will only go and hunt when it is hungry. Otherwise, it will not hunt at all. You have seen alligators. You have seen tigers, lions in the jungles. If you have not seen, go see YouTube or one of those places. Otherwise, you will say tomorrow, I have not seen this happen. Well, that is the truth. They will never come and eat anything. It is only when hunger strikes them that they go and eat. Even all these great, you know, alligators and the big, big animals also. They will never hurt anybody or go anywhere near you. They will just be sitting over there. It's only when they feel hungry that they go and catch their fish or whatever that is there. Otherwise, they don't. Otherwise, they are just roaming around or just sitting at one place. That is what is called accumulation of wealth. If you keep anything for tomorrow, Human beings have this habit of thinking what is going to happen in the future. I got to keep it for tomorrow. You people, you know, you spiritual people have no brains. I have to save for tomorrow. Why is it important to save? You don't, you're not going to feed me. Huh? I'm not going to feed you, of course. Who is going to feed you? God. God is feeding all these birds and animals. Not me. Human beings cannot feed another human being. Everything is driven by the divine. When it wants to feed you, it will get the food towards you. Why are you bothered about food? Why are you bothered about the shelter that you think you are building? People have 
spent so many lakhs and crores of rupees to buy houses and they don't even have the money to pay for the EMIs today. They may have to sell at dirt cheap rate and walk away from there. So what happened to all that hard-earned money of yours? Think. You see, first thing you got to know is if you try to accumulate this kind of a wealth, it is going to be detrimental to you. You have to understand that you came in this world without a penny. And you get out of this world without a penny. Please don't try to accumulate anything because if you accumulate anything, even a small pin or whatever, that itself you are going to have to come back again and again for that. If you accumulate any wealth of any kind, what happens to you? You are bothered about that object. If I give you a gold coin, okay, let me give you a, a gold coin, a one dollar, one rupee, you know, size gold coin. And I tell you, keep this with you. Now tell me, think about it. I want you to think very carefully. Where are you going to keep? You are going to travel. You are going to go somewhere. You will have to go wherever you go with the coin. If you try to bury it in the ground also, somebody is going to come and take it. If you have jewels, if you have gold, if you have even stupid stuff which is not even gold, you still will have to keep it safely. Because in, in places, even if you wear false jewellery, they will cut your throat to get the jewellery. Thinking that, oh, it looks real, no? That is what happens. Accumulation of any kind, any wealth, anywhere, whether it is house, money or whatever, is going to be detrimental and you are going to caught in your life cycles again and again and again and again and again. Those who are doing the Sai Satcharitra in the evening will get to the story where the wife gathers a lot of, you know, whatever gold that she has, she tries to sell it so that she can build one temple for God. And her husband says, why does she want to sell outside? I only will take it. And instead of giving her the full amount, he gives her pennies. And because he has done that, he has to be born again and again and again. In one of the lifetimes, he is born as a frog. Gets eaten by a snake. Okay, so... There are too many complications in the karmas. Just because you are involved in something, any kind of a deal, any property whatsoever, that itself will constitute a lot of karmas and that will put you back again into the loops of rebirths. Why would you want to do that? 
So don't accumulate wealth of any kind whatsoever. Now all these things that I have said are words of Krishna. It is mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam and it is mentioned in the Uddhav Gita which is a part of Srimad Bhagavatam. These are the words uttered by Sri Krishna himself. When you accumulate anything, even pennies, even coins, even gold, even properties, you are going to be born again and again just because you are accountable for it. You should know this. All these things are called Yamas. I have not yet finished. This is just the beginning. This chapter is a very very serious chapter for those students who are interested in spirituality. To the core of spiritual knowledge. And you seen me read five verses all at once. Those are questions. And now we are doing answers word by word. And after this we will be doing it word by word. And you better be ready for it. And those who are just here for the heck of it, I don't think you should join again. Because if you are not interested in these yamas and niyamas, and if you are interested in some, you know, nonsensical yamas and niyamas of this world, plus by the way, yamas and niyamas is only the beginning. There are too many questions to be answered. So we have a lot to actually traverse. So you be careful of how you go about. We have not even completed this first verse number 33. If we are halfway through it, non-accumulation of wealth is all we have stopped at just now. <laughs> we still have a lot more words in Yamas to go to. One is faith in God, chastity, silence, patience, forgiveness and fearlessness. We still have a lot more words to go. So, I will do them next time because there is a paucity of time right now. <laughs> so, I will take your leave. You have a great day today. <laughs> and think about these yamas and niyamas which were discussed. Not the yamas and niyamas which are there outside in the material world. And then I will see you all in the coming week. Take care. Have a great day. Bye.